With only a few months left until the May 2018 deadline when the EU will begin enforcing its new General Data Protection Regulation, there's a healthy dose of fear, uncertainty, and doubt going around. That's according to Brian Honan, CEO of BH Consulting, a cybersecurity consultancy based in Dublin. Conan joins us today to discuss some of the looming concerns and even some falsehoods circulating about GDPR. Brian, welcome. Tell us about this so-called FUD you've been hearing. It's interesting when we read media stories or we talk to clients, there's a lot of fear out there because people are worried about what's going to happen come May 25th next year when uh, GDPR will be enforced and regulated. And a lot of it's been driven by vendors just trying to get more sales. They're using this big headline, you know, that you would be fined 20 million euro or 4% of your global turnover, whichever is the greatest, if you don't comply with GDPR. To me, that's creating a lot of fear. And what's happening is if you have this, you know, either you're stuck as a, a rabbit in the headlights of an oncoming car and you don't do anything about it because you're too scared to do anything, or you ignore it, you take flight and you run away. So companies are kind of stuck by by fear and, and it's not being helped either by suddenly every everywhere you turn there's a GDPR or a data protection expert not being known to say that GDPR in 2017 is similar to what Y2K was in 1999. Suddenly every company is an expert in the topic and uh, you, you know we have experts in data protection that a few months ago or a few years ago wouldn't even have uh, touched the topic or would be in a completely different field. So we do have this fear and that's been out there and companies need to recognize that what they're being asked to do is just to implement good practices and good procedures and put in a lot of transparency and accountability in around how they manage the personal data belonging to the people that entrust their data to those companies. So if I give you my information, you have to inform me fully as to what you're going to do with my information and who you're going to uh, share the information with. I should have the the right to, to object to that information being shared or being used in a certain way and you can only use it in the way you agree to me and then if I give you my information you protect that information with appropriate security. So what you need to be able to do as a company is demonstrate tra transparency in that you can say, yes, Brian Honan, this is what we're going to do with your information. Demonstrate accountability. So, yes, Brian, this is where you agreed and how you agreed, whether that's by contract or by terms and conditions or by legitimate business reason or that I give you my consent. These are all different ways you can demonstrate accountability for using my information. And then once you have my information, it is protected properly. And then if that information should be lost or there's a breach, that you can respond to that breach and deal with that breach in an effective and efficient manner as well. So what we're asking, you know, I suppose what the what the EU is asking companies to do is to take a more responsible approach to managing the personal data entrusted to them. And what about actual falsehoods? Is there a lot of just outright misinformation that's being spread with regard to GDPR? Oh, there, there is a, a raft of stuff out there, Jonah. Uh, there, uh, there's even a, a hashtag on Twitter called GDPR Rubbish, where, which is where experts in the field are actually uh, highlighting where there's mistruths uh, out there, uh, or to coin a phrase, fake news mm -hmm. uh, related to, to GDPR. But some of the key things we see is that Consent is the only basis you can you can use somebody's information, and that's not true. You can 
use people's information if you can demonstrate a legitimate business need, if you have an existing business relationship with that person and, and, and it's justified to continue that that business relationship, if you're contractually obliged to, to, to keep that information. So consent can be one of the reasons to do it, but there's other ways you can you can do that too, and, and consent is not the only way you need to do it, because you you, hit, you have a lot of fake information out there, but you need to delete your whole sales and marketing database because you you can't demonstrate you got uh, cons you know you haven't got consent from people. Well, there may be other areas you can legitimize why you have that information. So that's 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 one area. The other area is is the right to be forgotten. That this is a, an absolute right. That if I as an individual come to your company and say delete everything that you have about me, that you have to comply with that and you've no choice. But again, you may have other regulatory or business reasons why you need to keep that information. So therefore that will overwrite my right to be forgotten. Because if the right to be forgotten was an absolute right that I could exercise with any organization. Well, the first thing I would be doing on May the 25th next year is ringing my is, is ringing the tax office here in Ireland and asking them to forget about me, ringing my mortgage company and asking them to forget about me, ringing my credit card company and asking them to forget about me. But you know, <laughs> that's not going to be that's not going to happen. Uh, they're going to have to 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 keep doing business with me, and they they've got got reasons to do that. So these are they they're just two examples of 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 some of the mistreats we see out there, and and the focus as you highlighted there at the beginning as well on the four percent turnover fines or twenty million euro fines, whichever is the greatest. There are other ways that the regulators can look to punish companies for poor security practices if punish is the right phrase to use uh, you know you can they they can force you to correct fake information or, or misleading information they can force you not to use information uh, that you may have not have gotten in the right way they can force you to delete that information you can as you wonder things can happen you can be fined but what GDPR brings in as well to the individual is the right to to sue companies based on distress or anything else due to the mishandling of their data. So that enables, maybe for the first time in Europe, the option for class action lawsuits resulting from a security breach or from from poor data protection uh, uh, practices. So it's a there's a there's a lot more stuff there. You know, there's just some examples, Joan, of some of the the misperceptions out there or the, the fake information that's floating around about GDPR. So as we head into 2018, what's your perception of where organizations globally stand in their readiness to comply with GDPR in May? Yeah, I think organizations fall into two categories. So basically you have organizations who already have good data protection practices in place because they have been respecting and being compliant with current data protection law. Uh, so for them to be compliant with GDPR is not a huge leap. They, they do have to put in new process, for example, for the right to be forgotten uh, and, and a number of other processes that are, are new to GDPR that, that aren't in current data protection uh, uh, legislation. But they're in a reasonably good place. Uh, then you have companies who haven't had good data protection practice in, in place and, and they're kind of falling into the panic mode now. I think people are, it's, it is now December, May the 25th is on, it's, it's less than six months away and they're now realizing, oh, half of December is probably going to be lost due to 
to, to the holiday season and Christmas holidays. So you're going to be in January and you've only got four or five months to get ready for GDPR. So you, you can't have two organizations, you know, the ones who have already been good with data protection, those who have, who have not been good with data protection and have, have treated it as something, as an annoyance or one of these requirements that you have to pay lip service to and are probably now paying the price because they haven't they haven't got the good foundations or infrastructure in place to support it. And you did highlight something very important there, Joan, as well, that uh, GDPR is not just for companies within the EU. If you're an organization and you deal uh, with personal data belonging to individuals living in the EU, and no matter where you're located, whether it's in the EU or elsewhere, you GDPR applies to you as well. Now, you mentioned earlier that when it comes to GDPR, the discussions often center around the D part of that, the data aspect of it. But there's also a very human element to this regulation, too. Speak to that for me. When I talk to, to many people about GDPR and, and data protection, as you said, there the focus tends to be on data and people think about data. And then it's broken down into bits and bytes and ones and zeros. And it becomes very much a, a non personal thing it's very much a technology focused conversation that happens but i do think we need to consider that gdpr is an evolution of the european data protection laws and that these laws were brought in to protect the individual to protect our inherent rights as eu citizens to our our, our privacy and if you look at the history of europe you can see that over the past decades we haven't been very respectful of people's rights to privacy are on on their backgrounds. We've, you know, if you look at the horrors from World War II with the concentration camps where people were uh, persecuted based on their religious uh, or their sexuality or other beliefs, they ended up in, the, in, in those camps because of that. And again, over the years, if you look at the abuses to people's freedoms and, and their rights from uh, secret police in Eastern Europe during the, the Cold War, and even closer to their timelines in the Balkan Wars during the 1990s where people were killed again based on on their their religions we had we had massacres in Srebrenica etc where people were killed simply because of their their religion uh, and nothing else so data protection has been brought in to protect the rights of the individual the rights of the person and their right to privacy uh, to ensure that companies don't abuse our governments don't abuse uh, the, the information and trust to them and that we as a i as an individual and we as individuals we have full control over information and we determine how companies can or can't use our information uh, and that's the whole basis in my opinion as to where gdpr is and that we you know maybe we should really change the d in GDPR with P, and instead of general data protection regulation, it's a general person protection regulation, because ultimately that's the, the whole purpose behind GDPR. Brian Honan, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. For ISMG, I'm Joan Goodchild.